0: God bless. It's good to be here. As you can tell, maybe by my voice, I've gotten a little bit of a cold or the bubonic plague. I'm not sure which, but it hit me this uh, weekend. Uh, we went up to Lodi on Friday, and uh, we are part of, the uh, for a reason, was doing a fundraiser there in Lodi, uh, Denise and the organization. And so we are part of that and came back this morning from Lodi. We left about 3 a.m., drove down, and I don't know what I'm going to say today. Uh, but I actually wanted to be here. I really am excited about this series that we're doing, and I enjoy sharing these things with you guys. I, I love being here. You're my family, and I love having our time together. I love our quirkiness. I love all the individuals who make up what Genesis is. I had some friends who came here and they said, you've got a really you know, diverse group of people. And I said, you have no idea. You don't even know them. I could tell you some stories. So I proceeded to tell them all about you guys. No, I didn't. Uh, but I love the quirkiness about us and the diversity here and that we can be real with one another even coming from all the different places that we come from. And I'm loving this series on the Beatitudes. And this morning, we're going to be talking about Blessed Are the Pure in Heart. And I'm going to talk to you about polyester, of course. I'm going to talk to you about washing your hands, infrared, uh, light, and snorkel masks. Okay? But Matthew 5, verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What comes to your mind when you hear the word pure? What do you think of? Clean? Clean. Honest? Honest. What is that? Innocent. Innocent? Okay. There is a difference between innocent and pure here, although they overlap or even clean, although that is actually leaning more into the Hebrew mindset of what's taking place. To help us understand what pure meant, um, we might want to look at some ideas about what is impure, okay? In Leviticus, when the priests were given instructions about what things were acceptable and not acceptable to God... They were not allowed to mix fabrics. So you couldn't have two different fabrics interactive because that would become impure. And so it was this idea of having something that was consistently similar and connected to one another, right? And it's important to have that. The fabric that they would use would be so they could breathe, right? This was before polyester, right? I mean, you guys know polyester is just plastic, right? It's like plastic clothing. Have you ever had polyester sheets and you wonder why it gets so warm? Because it's, it's plastic, right? I mean, it's really, it's a man-made fabric that is made out of that same material as plastic. And so with the priests, they were supposed to wear the material that was only of one kind. It had to be completely wool. There couldn't be other materials woven in. Otherwise, it was considered impure. And and so holiness and purification was released through contact with God or anything that belonged to God. It could be the sanctuary, the altar. It could be Uh, touching the sacrifice ceremonial cleansing would help make you pure by the water or or something even the fire that would burn the offering it would make it pure it had to do with this integration of the whole and and we see an idea of what takes place in mark chapter 7 i couldn't go through all the powerpoint like i usually do because i didn't get home in time um but we got some of the verses up here mark chapter 7 verses 2 and 4 the Pharisees saw some of his jesus's disciples eating food with hands that were defiled in other words were impure that is unwashed The Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. Now, I'm usually with the Pharisees on this one, right? I'm usually all for washing your hands, but this isn't about germs. This is about ceremony. This is about more than just the cleaning of your hands. This is about doing something that in their mind made them pure because they followed this law, this purification law that made them feel better or closer to God. A pure heart is one that is complete. It is one that is whole, right? When you have 100% juice, Right? It's 100% pure orange juice. It's a little redundant, right? If it's 100%, it's got to be pure. That's what it is. Or if it's something that is pure gold, it means there's no other alloy in it. It's 100%, it's consistent. Jesus observed this watered down righteousness. He saw the Pharisees so concerned with the ceremony. But like righteousness, purity is relational. It's not just about you being clean. It's not just about you following the ceremony. It's about a relationship between you and God. It's about being completely in relationship with God. It's about having one heart devoted ultimately loyal and so then jesus would say in matthew six twenty four, no one can serve two masters either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve both god and money he didn't say you can't have two masters but you can't serve two masters Right? You're going to have a devotion. And so here, purity is integration of heart, mind, spirit, and soul. It's all loyal. It's all purely given to this interaction and relationship with God. Remember the Shema of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Again, this unity of who God is is meant to be with the unity or the totality of who we are. With heart, soul, mind, and strength, we love the one God. There is supposed to be a singularity taking place with who we are and with who God is. And that's what purity looks like. Later in the chapter in Matthew, Jesus is trying to integrate the actions with the heart, right? He says, you've heard it said, do not commit murder. But I tell you, if you hate your brother without a cause, you've committed murder in your heart. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, if you look at a woman and lust after her, you've committed adultery in your heart. He's not saying that they're the same thing. He's saying that there is an integration, that it begins in that place of the heart, and then it shows up later in the action. And purity is having action, mind, heart, soul, being all in line, being connected, being genuine. And that's what we want to see. It tells us that by faith, Moses left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. Hebrews chapter eleven, twenty-seven. 27. Right? Having a desire to know God, to see him who is unseen. How do you see what is unseen if you ever watch any of the military movies or training you see that they have these laser infrared lasers that you can actually only see if you have the proper goggles on they're like a green light so that they don't give their location away And if special forces, special ops will have this, and then you see all the guns and where their rifles are pointing, right? You see this green laser light. No one else can see them except those who have the proper goggles because those goggles are in the right visual spectrum to be able to see that light. And the same thing is true with us. Being able to see God, there has to be the right spectrum. We have to be in the right place. And this is where the pure in heart comes in line with seeing God. There has to be an integration of heart, soul, mind, and action. Living, devoted, giving, loving relationship with God. And when that happens, we're actually able to see the unseeing. Paul says in Ephesians 1, 18 and 19, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Right? The eyes of our heart would have understanding in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That our eyes of our heart might see. In other words, that we would be in a place that the totality of who we are would be in relationship with God, that we would be able to understand him from the depths of who we are. You see, purity is spiritual integration of our whole life. It's not just doing things. It's not just believing things. It is allowing ourselves to be completely devoted in the totality of who we are. God tells us, be holy, be merciful, be pure in heart, be this whole person. That's what the Beatitudes have been, right? It's been about this. Be this whole person who seeks first the kingdom and his righteousness. This integrated person who seeks the face of God. What is so important about seeing God? It's something that seems a little odd to us. How do you see God, right? We know that he is spirit, so we can't visually see him. But remember when God appeared before Moses and said, what would you want? He said, to see your face. What is he asking? Does God have a face? Then what is he wanting to see? Right, he, He's wanting a revelation of who he is. He's wanting to know him. He's wanting a deeper understanding of him. He's wanting a relationship that is, is as if he is seeing someone or speaking to someone face to face. Do you remember when Jesus was with the disciples and Philip said to him, We would see the father. What did Jesus say to him? He said, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. Why did Philip want to see the father? He's wanting a revelation. I want to know God. You see, to see God is to be in close relationship with him. And so Jesus would tell Philip, don't you recognize me? You've been with me. After all this time, if you've seen me, you've seen what God is like. You know who God is if you know me. And so the idea of pure in heart seeing God is those who are in This integrated wholeness, body, soul, mind, strength, action, and have this desire to know God will actually be able to have a knowledge of God that even as Moses spoke to God as a person speaks face to face. To see God is not just to someday die and be in heaven. It is to be in close proximity with God and how we live our lives and with all that we live our lives. Whenever you go diving or or swimming, if you're in the water, and you're just swimming. Things are blurry, especially if you're in Southern California, right? I mean, if you're in Hawaii, it's a little different, or the Bahamas, I imagine. But anytime you get in the water and it's pressing up against your eyes, it, it clouds your vision. You don't see clearly because there is something foreign up against your eyes. But if you were to put on a mask, a snorkel mask, or or have something between you and the water so that your eyes are actually in the proper element, there's oxygen or, or just some space there that's blocking the water from hitting your eyeballs itself, all of a sudden you can see clearly. Why? Because something foreign is not up against your eyes. And you see, the whole idea is that If we are in close proximity with God and how we live, then there will not be obstruction that is blocking us from seeing the nature of God and seeing how he shows up in so many ways. And there's this amazing thing, and this is really something I wanted to share with you guys the idea of being in close proximity to God and and what does that look like? I mean, Philip wanted to see God and Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. Jesus told a story in Matthew 24 about these people who who took care of those who were sick and, and took care of those who were hungry and took care of those who were in prison. And that there were those who who did all the right religious things, right? They went to church, they did their prayers, and they will get before God and he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. And they say, when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When I was in prison, you didn't come and visit me. And then others will say, come in, because when I was these things, Matthew 24 or 25, verse 44, they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. The other says, whatever you did to the least of these, you did to me. And let me ask you a question. Where is Jesus in this story? He is not the one giving. He is the one in need. You see, we think of, oh, when I do these things I'm being like Jesus but in this story Jesus is the one who is actually in need and the the minute we start dealing with the need we start interacting with God and I wonder if sometimes we aren't seeing God because we aren't looking in the right places we're we're trying to get things all cleaned up We're trying to get ourselves nice and innocent and and we're trying to wash our hands from all the filth. But what we really need to do is get our lives in line and love the things that God loves because that's where God is. And so in the story, it's not the person who is helping that is like Jesus. It is the person who is in need that is like Jesus. And maybe God is closer than we imagine. But to see him, we have to go to the places he is. And it is a pure heart, a heart that is loving God by loving our neighbor as ourself. It is a person who is caring for and doing these things that is actually seeing God in the actions and in the places of those who are in need. And whether it's hunger, whether it's clothing, whether it's in prison, whether it's a family member who is struggling, whether it's a person who's suffering from depression, whether it's someone who is struggling in some place and somewhere, do you want to see God? Then that's where we look, is in the need. And the purity is a life that has the heart of God, that is in the same frequency that God is in, that's doing the same things that God is doing. And all of a sudden you find he's there. See, you don't have to go looking for God. He is near. You just have to see where he's at. And I wonder if sometimes where there's just too much Water clouding our vision. There's, there's too many things blinding us from seeing where God is. You know, it, it's so interesting that the uh, fundraiser that I was at, there was a lot of affluent people there. And a lot of them are very generous. A lot of them are very good people. But they're having, in the banquet hall where the fundraiser was at, having the different pictures of the children who are there in Haiti that are being sponsored and the work that's being done, seeing the need. It's like, where, where is Jesus in this hall? It's like, there he is. And he looks like a little girl, right? Dressed in her school clothes, going to school. There he is, that young man, you know, at the desk studying. You want to see God. You just have to look in the right places and be in the right heart and be in tune with what God is doing. Because there he is. And so pure in heart, the reason the pure in heart are blessed it's probably because they are in the place where God is and they're in the filter where God is being seen and they're doing the things that God would be doing and then they find that God is all around them. Have I been so long with you, Philip, you don't see me? Whoever's seen me has seen the Father who was Jesus with. He was with the broken hearted. He was with those who were poor in spirit. He was with those who were lame. He was with the lepers. He was with the prostitutes. He was with the drunkards. He was with the people where there was need. And there you could see God. May our hearts be pure enough to see where God is and have the eyes to be in tune with what he is doing. Let's pray. Lord, a a pure heart has meant so many different things to me. But I don't know, Lord, that it's always been accurate. Purity heart isn't necessarily something I have to do to obtain. It's really a place where you are and I am at the same time. And it's a place where I am with not just my mental thinking, or not just my devotion, but with mind, heart, soul, and action. When I am completely given to, when there is no contaminant, in between what you are doing and what I long to be. And so, God, we pray that you would meet us where we are because, God, there is a lot of junk in my life, and I know there's a lot of junk in our lives. There's a lot of other material. There's, there's plastic, and there's water, and there's pollution within our lives that starts to cloud our ability to maybe see where you're at because we're too busy seeing what we want. And so, Lord, we want to be these people that are pure in heart. We want to be these people who are doing what you're doing. And I pray that you would help us, God, to get there. It is something we cannot do of ourselves. We need your words, we need your spirit. We need your strength, and we are here asking for your help. Give us eyes to see. We want to see you, Jesus. We would see your face, Lord. We do pray this in your name. Let's stand together. May the eyes of your heart be enlightened. May you see the needs of those around you and see Jesus. And may your heart be purified as you love what He loves and you do what He does. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. See you next week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings.